I really like that rendition because this obviously is going to be a quick show, but I'm going to show you what rumors of war really mean because I have to bounce. Now, I wanted to kind of give you a hint of where we're going into. We talk about rumors of war, but no one really discusses what that really means. Uh, well, duh, Tori. It means that, you know, uh, people start talking about war even if there isn't war. Okay. Well, actually, here's what's really done. And I'm going to just... Huh. What if it's rumors of war is a war over a war over a war over a war over a war? And then another and another and another and another. And that's exactly how rumors of wars happen. So let's see, and I'm going to see if this works, because it's important we have both. Just watch and listen. I hope you can listen to what is going to be running. So I'm assuming that none of you could hear the music in the background, right? Okay. So then here's what we're going to do. Because music... is multifaceted. There's frequency, there's words, and there's beat. And all of that helps resonate. So what I'm going to do is, aside from just showing you this collection of messed up (laughs) gaffes of this alleged president, I'm going to introduce you to today's short show on how to start a war, like an actual one. But then we're going to revisit, hey, doesn't wait weren't you a script writer well you want to take a listen to this I, I we were meant to be thought it'd be you and me standing together at the end of the world i guess that's not what you want i guess that i should just move on my friends, is by empowering the media and telling you, hey, guess what? China lab leak. They do it now. But if people actually paid attention to President Trump, they'd know that he knew. And we all knew. And now, you know, many people are sitting out there reporting the alleged news. Oh, my God. We already knew it was a China lab leak. Um, um, actually, (laughs) um, you're going to understand how everything is scripted and is just a show. I'm going to read a few parts. Situation, I hope I'm wrong. Redacted. We'll fight in 2025. He secured his, th- President Xi secured his third term and set his war council in October of 2022. Taiwan's presidential elections are in 2024 and will offer President Xi a reason. United States 
Presidential elections are in 2024 will offer President Xi a distracted America. President Xi's team, reason and opportunity are all aligned for 2025. We spent 2022 setting the foundation for victory. We will spend 2023 in a crisp operational motion building on that foundation. If you want to know what the operational motion I demand looks like, look at what total task force team, etc. Let me jump to another portion of this. And this is from multiple different letters. Commander's intent. Go faster. Drive readiness. Integration and agility for ourselves and the joint force to deter and, if required, defeat China. This is the first of eight monthly directives from me. You need to know I alone own the pen on these orders. My expectations are high and these orders are not up for negotiation. Follow them. I will be tough, fair, and loving. Secure my approach. This came directly from the Department of the Air Force Headquarters Air Mobility Command on the 1st of February, 2023. All units will report progress and establish an OTE Indo-PACCOM operation discussed and reviewed at the Fall Phoenix Rally, which, by the way, was open to the public, just so you know. So they're doing this out in the open. Where's your media? Yeah. They're busy elaborating on things. Now, uh, you know, years ago, I talked about the country and the city. Now, before we get to that, and I will explain to you once again how the CIA writes scripts. I've said I have pen names and I've written many things and sometimes just unknown. You just have to know where you send them and who's going to push it. But, you know, I think it's important that we understand how this all played out. Let's rewind to twenty mm, twenty. When President Trump said, oh, this this is a China virus, China, China, China virus, right? (laughs) You do understand that we have two, three, four mobilizations across this rock. Four. And so... In order to get yourself some manufactured consent and also advise the public, you make it entertaining, of course, but a lot of people don't pay attention. So why not give it to them in the way they like? People are starting to find out history is not the way it is. We've got Russia unleashing the Kraken, literally through Yandex, right? You hear the Chinese warning. Now, when CNN, Fox, and all your influencers are like, uh, you know, oh, it's a China lab leak. That's a threat. That's an act of war. Get, that, get out of here. Uh, if we remember, what was the first thing that came out of President Xi's mouth? Right. I don't know. There were some American soldiers here because we were doing gain of function in Wuhan. See, this is how it goes. Right. And I don't know what happened. Now, let's remember that China was actually affected first. In 2019, when the governors of the Republican Governors Association had a meeting in November of 2019 with a guest speaker called Bill Gates. Now, while the script plays off of things that you've learned, if you actually pay attention to the details, you'll see that it was inferring the situation now. What do you mean? (laughs) Well, you'll understand today what I mean. For those of you that have not watched Enjoy the Show, I tell you, you must. It is very important to see exactly what is being done. Here's what CNN put out. 
And oh, might I add, they put this out just a few days ago, okay? I want you guys to listen carefully to CNN's words. Hotly contested regions on the planet, the South China Sea. From militarized artificial islands to fighter jets and warplanes, China's heavy presence in the disputed region is putting the U.S. and its allies on notice. CNN got rare access aboard a U.S. Navy surveillance flight and saw firsthand some tense moments with China's military. Here's CNN's Ivan Watson. This is a close encounter with a Chinese warplane filmed just off the wing of a U.S. Navy reconnaissance plane flying over the South China Sea. We're getting a close-up look at a Chinese fighter jet. The air crew here identifies it as a J-11, a two-seater that they say is armed with air-to-air missiles. And it's been shadowing this U.S. Navy plane now for about 15 minutes. It is pretty remarkable to see this Chinese warplane operating at such close proximity, just several hundred feet away from our aircraft. The Chinese fighter escort, part of a regular routine. I'd say it's another Friday afternoon in the South China Sea. The U.S. Navy invited CNN to fly on a P-8 reconnaissance plane, taking off from a U.S. air base on the Japanese island of Okinawa. Along the way, picking up fuel from a flying gas station. We're refueling in midair right now, flying just about 40 feet away from a KC-135 tanker plane. The plane is headed past the self-governing island of Taiwan, which China claims as its own, to the South China Sea, which China also claims almost all for itself, ignoring competing claims from countries like Vietnam and the Philippines. Some 30 miles from the Chinese-occupied Paracel Islands, a Chinese voice crackles over the radio. American aircraft, this is the PLA Air Force. You are approaching Chinese airspace. Keep a safe distance or you'll be intercepted. That's when the Chinese People's Liberation Army fighter jet appears, flying so close you can see the pilots in their cockpit. PLA fighter aircraft, this is U.S. Navy P-8 on I hold you off my left wing and I intend to continue to proceed to the west. The Chinese pilot never responds, but eventually leaves when the U.S. plane turns south. It's like oil spots as they build as they build on one reef and then build on another. Commodore Will Torreson shows the network of man-made islands China built on what had been coral reefs claimed by other countries. Our number one focus here is to ensure that we have uh, continued access uh, alongside all of our allies and partners to international airspace and international waters. The U.S. presence here aimed at preventing further encroachment by China. We're flying at a low altitude, a thousand feet, a little more than 300 meters above sea level, east of Taiwan looking for a Chinese warship currently believed to be operating in these stormy waters. The plane spots a Chinese guided missile destroyer. U.S. aircraft, U.S. aircraft, this is Chinese Navy warship. You are approaching me. Keep safe distance away from me. Over. I'm a United States military aircraft and I will remain a safe distance from unit. A cat-and-mouse game between two rival militaries in one of the most hotly contested regions in the world.
Ivan Watson, CNN, over the South China Sea. Isn't that an amazing, hold on, it is an amazing uh, movie. You see how that goes. So first it wasn't China, right? It was uh, just a mistake. And most of the deaths we saw, it came, you know, uh, the first spread, wasn't it? Washington. So then, um, and where did they come from? That's right. They came from Europe, <laughs> right? Where Italy had like tons of deaths and didn't they come from there? Uh, they did. And it's like, that's supposed, right? It was a nursing home in Washington, if you remember correctly. Now, you know, a lot of people talk about secession and all of these things, but I'm going to tell you something and you can take this to the bank or not, because either way, yeah. <laughs> In the future, you'll all be like, damn, Tory told us. It's your own politicians and your own ambassadors that are facilitating the handover of the United States. Now, while the script was written differently, people need to understand where the Nazi movement originated from and how. I urge everyone to look at the history that still is available, presidential orders by President Roosevelt, confiscating Bush Sr.'s dad's Everything he had, but then his son became CIA director because he was funding the Nazis. We need to remember who created China, and that was the United States. It is a big error of ego. Just because you're a little bit different doesn't mean that those that are subpar in technology or, shall I say, their biotechnology makeup is different and subpar doesn't mean that they won't overtake you. Now, I want you guys to see how you've been told through stories how this is going to be. Now, it's not an alternate version of what's happening, but it is an actual version of what's happening. Being told is an alternate version of what's happening. You know, it's almost as if the scriptwriter says, wait a minute, you were intended to stop this, so how is this happening? I urge all of you to see um, iPod 1776's uh, documentary in regards to the Nazi movement. I need you guys to educate yourselves because if you do not have education and you are uninformed and you're going with stupid memes and whatever the mainstream is saying, in the end, you're going to get caught with your pants down. Now, which part of the United States aligns with Chinese values more? Is it the West? Is it the East? Obviously, we'd say California, Oregon. You know, the West of the United States is indeed Chinese-centric. CAA became CAA China. Pelosi, Times Square. Diane Feinstein, Chinese spies, China, China, China. But then you have to think of Ukraine and you're like, okay, Ukraine is not with China. So who is Ukraine group with? And then you look, it's all these green alt energy deals, which is a segue that China uses to infiltrate places like Africa and Latin America, right? And your own people are facilitating these conversations with your money through long founding foundations sitting there. Now, I can't get into the detail because I do have to catch a flight. 
So I want you guys to take a look at this. You know, you guys know I love the infographic show. Now, I just want you to see what they, without knowing the script, tell you about what they believe is the World War III plan. It's pretty good. But then I'll show you a script that was written by someone, possibly in some closet in some hospital, when they were bored. So take a listen to these guys. Pretty awesome, and I love their cartoons. In Ukraine is unlikely to stop there. Lithuania, with EU support, has shut off the flow of military and economic material to the Russian enclave of Kaliningrad, triggering a threat of invasion by Russia in retaliation. A world away, China flexes its muscles as it threatens the United States and their continued support for Taiwan. Fears of World War III are growing by the day, and the United States is taking them very, very seriously. Before we discuss how the U.S. is preparing for the Third World War, first we need to know what its potential enemies are doing. China has long been preparing for a confrontation with the U.S. as it seeks to become the world's dominant superpower. Currently, China falls short of the qualifications for a global superpower, qualifications which only the U.S. fills at the moment. But with its dizzying economic and military growth, it might be less than a decade before the Chinese Communist Party can project power all over the world. China's preparations for a showdown with the West include dislodging the United States as the most important economic power in the world. It also has safeguards to its own economic interests in the wake of economic warfare versus the U.S. And to achieve this aim in 2013, it launched the Belt and Road Initiative. This massively ambitious plan included building new land and sea trade routes all over the world to connect China economically with nations all the way from Europe to Africa. To achieve this, the nation has not just invested in its own infrastructure, but in building trade infrastructure in other nations as well. However, China's partnership with host nations is more often than not extremely predatory. They offer economic loans to build massive projects that promise economic prosperity like seaports and rail yards. However, the terms of those loans often dictate that Chinese companies must be hired to do the construction, leaving few jobs for locals. Interest rates on the debt traps is often so high that a poor third-world nation is guaranteed to default. Included in the penalties for defaulting are clauses such as China owning exclusive rights to the infrastructure it builds for terms as long as a century. It is, in effect, a modern version of soft colonialism. China's plan is to have heavy influence in the trade of goods throughout Asia, the Middle East, and Africa, putting it in a very strong position to dictate geopolitics in its ever-growing sphere of influence. China's next preparation for war with the U.S. includes securing its vulnerable trade routes through the South China Sea and the very valuable oil and natural gas deposits in the region, as well as the remaining rich fishing grounds. This effort began with the construction of artificial islands in 2013, which continued unopposed despite an international ruling by the World Court in The Hague that such island building and claims to economic exclusion zones around them were illegal. Foreign pressure also failed to stop China from stealing claims to oil supplies by neighbors such as Vietnam, or of using its Coast Guard to bully and intimidate the merchant and fishing fleets of other nations out of their own territorial waters. These islands have now become heavily fortified military installations, which include modern missile defenses, runways long enough for long-range attack aircraft, and an ever-growing network of surveillance assets, all geared for one purpose – detect, track, and destroy the U.S. Navy. Further preparations have included the addition of dozens of new ships to the People's Liberation Navy, which is now officially the largest in the world. Recently, China's second aircraft carrier came online, and in a few years will be ready for battle, greatly enhancing the CCP's reach in all the important sea and air domains. With Russia's increased belligerence in Europe, 
There's a serious concern that the two nations might partner up in an attempt to turn the current US-led world order on its head. Despite China's increasing capabilities, it still does not have the power to defeat the US in a one-on-one -on -one confrontation, and it might hope to split the US attention by partnering with Russia, thus forcing America to choose fighting between China in the Pacific or Russia in Europe. For decades, the United States maintained a policy of field. I just want to pause one second right there. So Russia would not team up with China to defeat the United States because Russia doesn't trust China because all that crap that happened with North Korea. So I'm just going to leave that there and you could take it as face value. You don't have to take what I say as dogma, okay? Building a powerful enough military to fight and win two simultaneous wars against near-peer adversaries. However, with China's rapid ascension, this has become officially impossible without bankrupting the U.S. And thus, America has been forced to accept that it may only be able to defeat one near-peer adversary at a time. The question is, how was the U.S. preparing to do that, given the increasing likelihood of China and Russia starting a third world war? First, the situation in the Pacific might seem dire with China's numerically superior navy. But the real measure of naval power is not the number of vessels, but in the number of battle force missiles. These are the number of missiles that both navies can bring to bear against each other. The US maintains around 10,000 missiles versus the PLAN's estimated 2,000. Though those numbers have changed and will continue to change as China fields larger vessels and both navies shift in composition. It's estimated that by 2030, China might have closed the gap in battle force missiles to two-thirds of US capabilities. The US's first line of defense against China is the place that's likely to be ground zero for World War III, Taiwan. The small island democracy broke away from the mainland after the nationalists were expelled by the communists in the aftermath of World War II. Since then, the former dictatorship has become a vibrant democracy that has refused to reunify and put themselves under control of the Chinese Communist Party. Securing Taiwan is not just important for the ever-intensifying global clash between authoritarianism and democracy, but also for very important political and economic reasons. Firstly, Taiwan produces around 50% of the world's semiconductors after U.S. companies ceased production at home due to expense. Semiconductors are important for every single gadget in your life. The global economy quite literally runs on them, and they've become as valuable as a commodity as gas and oil. China itself produces between 25 and 30 percent of the world's semiconductor supply. So if China were to take Taiwan, it would now be in control of three-quarters of the global semiconductor supply. This would allow China to effectively shut down the economy of any nation that disagrees with it by simply barring the sale of semiconductors to it, giving China incredible power to further control global affairs and reducing the West's ability to oppose its authoritarianism. Taiwan is also politically important, as it makes up part of what's known as the First Island Chain. This is a chain of islands that extends from Japan to the Philippines and acts as a very physical barrier to the expansion of Chinese influence in the Pacific. If China were to take Taiwan, it would not just break this carefully orchestrated containment strategy, but allow China to effectively neuter Japan's ability to resist it. With aircraft and ships stationed off Taiwan, China could target Japan's lines of communication and trade routes that cross the Pacific and hem the All right, so let me tell you. Who's the one that's telling us that Russia's the enemy? And who's the one that's saying that we need to be careful with China because we've been letting them eat our lunch for years? President Trump. So how do they deplete our resources, money, weapons, and manpower? Oh, that's right. They orchestrate a war with Ukraine that has been provoking Putin with acts of war that Biden has done to start this war, which means 
your alleged president, the usurper, the chief usurper, and every single person in that position that came in is purposely depleting everything we have. $10 billion, more billions of dollars, planes, trains, automobiles, manpower, weapons. Listen carefully. President Trump said, we're fine with Russia. You know, we need to be careful, but we're, we're fine with Russia. There is no way that Russia would partner with China considering the shit show that happened in North Korea. So who is working for the Chinese? Who is implementing chi- <coughs> Chinese tech? Who is implementing all of these things? And then to make them look like they're trying to help, they're like, we're just going to make a shit ton of semiconductor plants while we poison your water, you know, because, yeah, China's the enemy. Then we have our military split where they're like, China's the target. Well, I thought it was freaking Ukraine and, and Russia. No, it's not. <laughs> our own government is pushing war with Russia to deplete our resources while China is eating our lunch. And with the facilitation of all of these leaders, like John Brennan with West Exec, like some foundations that I'm going to spotlight next week, they are all being mobilized into the appropriate positions to take their own nation down with a nice seat at the table in the new order. Russia will only have an opportunity to help liberate other nations to join forces against the Chinese command. Remember, who created China? See, if people paid attention to history, they would understand. So now we're all going to have like a, almost like a movie night, but it's a recap night. (laughs) And before we do, we're going to watch this um, amazing, this is from, hold on, this is from <laughs> when the script was gobbled up. And well, it was, it was gobbled up in 2012. The burner email used was communicated with in 2013, which meant delete. I want you guys to see what they are saying but don't, you need to slot number two with number three and take into consideration the geopolitics of today. Maybe that'll make sense. So I think we should just see what that is telling us. And for those of you driving, you'll be able to hear this. Hold on to your seats. And this is just the six minute clip. I'm going to then play the full blown analysis of the what if where you're going to replace the two with the three, where you're going to swap some nations, and I won't tell you who. You'll do it. Here we go. Enjoy the show. And creating a world where certain events changed is an interesting story, which is why the genre has had success over the years and continues to do so. One of the most famous alternate history novels is The Man in the High Castle by Philip K. Dick set in an alternate 1962 where the Axis powers won World War II. Not only have they defeated the Allies, but the countries of Nazi Germany, Italy, and Japan took over the entire world. The story tells the perspective of multiple people living in a defeated United States. But they aren't who we care about. What we care about is the scenario. 
Dick's perspective on this Axis world is dark and disturbing and provides a harsh look at how things could have been had America, Britain, and Russia lost the war. In Dick's world, everything would have changed. Literally everything. So in this video, we are going to explore Dick's scenario and break it down piece by piece to shove into your greedy little mind. The scenario starts off in 1963, when President Roosevelt is assassinated before he ever is able to become a strong president or implement his policies. The following presidents, John Garner and later John Bricker, are very weak and destabilize the United States. Without a central leader in the Depression, the US falls into a hole, while Nazi Germany and Japan grow stronger. The US bows to the whim of the Axis powers, staying isolationist and out of European affairs. Since their economy is weak, the Americans are unable to supply the British and Russians in their war against Germany. Quickly, the Nazis are able to conquer both Britain and the USSR by 1941. The Japanese allied with Germany take this opportunity to attack the US in a larger attack against Pearl Harbor. America's Pacific fleet is wiped out in a single day, and soon Japan invades Hawaii. In the next few years, the two powers invade America from both sides, with Japan conquering the west coast and Germany annexing east of the Mississippi. By 1947, all opponents of the Axis powers, including the US, surrender. In the following decades, the world becomes much different, as the Axis face relatively no major opposition to their plans. Japan expands its borders to Oceania, Australia, mainland China, and all of Southeast Asia. Japan sets up a white puppet government on the west coast, called the Pacific States of America. Japan culturally changes the west coast, making it infused with both American and Eastern cultures. A mass migration of citizens from Japan occurs, changing the demographics of the states. However, even though Japan does control the American west coast, they are relatively light rulers compared to their Nazi counterparts. Surprisingly, even though they're an empire, Japan has liberalized in the 20 years since the war. As in our timeline, how Americans today prize Native American artifacts, so do the Japanese colonists prize pre-war Americana. In Europe, the story is much darker than in our timeline. In Dick's scenario, the Nazis shape the entire continent and landscape in their image, reshaping the world around them with scientific advancements and horrifying policies. Because of 20 years of German engineering, technology has progressed far beyond the 1960s of our timeline. In Dick's scenario, the Germans have already colonized the moon and set up man exploration of Mars. To gain more land, the Germans drain the Mediterranean Sea, turning it into a fertile farmland. However, these scientific and engineering works come at a terrible price. With nobody to question the Nazi policies, a mega-holocaust occurs after Germany conquers Russia, Poland, and Eastern Europe. Hitler's plan of Lebensraum is actually put into effect. The only comparison this can be is the Native Americans and the Europeans. Slavic people in Dick's scenario are murdered into extinction. Millions and millions of people wiped out in a genocide. Russian culture and Eastern Orthodox religion is non-existent. Poland, Russia, and Slavic lands are destroyed and replaced with German colonists. Hitler's Aryan race grows and replaces the ruins of Moscow and Russia. Any few Slavic survivors live in Native American-style reservations out in Siberia. The mega-holocaust also expands into Africa, where Nazi Germany in 1962 is leading a genocide against Native Africans. Germany as well, 
brings back African slavery in both Europe and the United States. Which, oh boy, leads us to Nazi-occupied America. After the United States fell, it was reduced to east of the Mississippi, where a Nazi puppet government replaced American democracy, implementing Nazi policies in the US. From the context, the Holocaust came to the United States, wiping out anyone deemed unworthy by Nazi standards. What used to be the United States is split into three nations. The Japanese-controlled Pacific States, the Nazi-controlled United States, and the Free States of America. Free States is basically a buffer zone between the two superpowers. Americans don't know life before the war, and those that do are either too brainwashed or find it too hard to imagine a world without Axis domination. Young Americans in Dick's novel accept the status quo and grow up not knowing the culture of pre-war America. They think that an ally victory would have led to a communist victory. Oh yeah, and Canada? Canada just remained Canada. They literally didn't change at all. It's just Canada. Really, Mr. Dick? Really? Like us on Facebook, subscribe if you have not done so. PKD's novel, pretty interesting. PKD. So, now, let's see a recap. And let's think. I saw some things in the chat where it's thinking time. So, let's apply this to today's geopolitics. Think about it. Nazi ideology, what's that? Gender, gender neutrality, mind your words, use the pronouns, you're racist, it's a crime, you think wrong, it's a crime, we must have solidarity, 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 how many times have I said this word? So when I hear, you know, people opining that are supposedly important, they're missing the real plot. Now, think back to 2020 when President Trump was saying it's the China virus, not China, or Chinese China, 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 China. He's like, President Xi, we talked about this at the Forbidden City. Don't be a PKD. You need to own up to it because we don't have to go that route. We don't have to go that route. Alt timelines. Huh. <laughs> Time travel. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I need you to just, if you're driving, listen. If you're watching, Listen and watch. This, as you listen, apply it to today so you can see who is doing this. Remember, there is no war. There was no provocation from Russia. This is being done on purpose to deplete our resources and bring on the one world government, which, keep in mind, China runs the WHO, the WEF, WFP, UN, they're everywhere. Pay attention, please. This is real news. Think about it. You don't need someone to tell you. I want you to think and apply for the next 15 minutes of what you're going to watch. I want you to apply what you see and what you know to what you will hear. The Imperial Japanese won World War II and are now the rulers of the entire world. In this universe, the U.S. President-elect Franklin D. was assassinated amidst the war, and the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki never happened. Instead, the Germans dropped an atomic bomb on Washington, D.C. and weakened the Allied countries. In the current world, the Germans rule over all of Europe and Africa, and the Empire of Japan controls all of Asia. However, the point of power is set in the form 
former U.S., which has since been divided into two parts, Western North America, ruled by the Japanese, and Eastern and Midwestern North America is controlled by the Greater Nazi Reich, also called the GNR. The American flag has a swastika instead of stars, indicating its complete surrender to the Nazis. Although the two empires won the war hand-in-hand, hand, there has been a Cold War-type relationship between them ever since. It is said that after the death of the current Fuhrer, Hitler, his next in command, will take over all the Japanese states and declare themselves the rulers of the world. In both empires, Americans are subjected to racism and have fewer rights than Germans and Japanese in their respective states. The police are allowed to kill any American if they find them suspicious without having to answer to anyone. There is a neutral zone between two former American states that encompasses the Rocky Mountains. It serves as a neutral zone where no rules of either empire work. It is also a hiding zone for the resistance group that is constantly protesting for their rights and freedom. Then, we are introduced to Joe Blake, who lives in Nazi-occupied New York. Tired of being a slave to the Nazis, he is looking to become a part of a resistance group. From various sources, he has finally discovered the address of the New York leader of the group. As he travels to the said place, we see Times Square billboards filled with Nazi propaganda and advertisements about the Fuhrer. The headquarters turns out to be a shipping company, and the leader is a manager named Don. Joe tells him that he is a rebel, but Don laughs in his face. Joe has gotten their address, which means he is already qualified to be their ally. But according to Don, someone like him will blurt out all their secrets to the police if caught. Joe tells the manager that his will to fight is not that weak, and Don ultimately gives him a chance. As his first task, he is asked to drive a truck filled with coffee machines to Cannon City, Colorado, which is a neutral zone. Joe inquires what else the truck contains, but he is asked to do as told without asking any questions. Right before he leaves, the place is raided by the Nazis. Joe manages to drive away while Don is caught and arrested. It turns out that the third highest Nazi rank officer, Obergruppenführer Smith, initiated the raid. He used to be a U.S. Army captain before he joined hands with the Nazis and is now loyal to them. When told about Joe and the truck, the Obergruppenführer orders his people to catch the truck at any cost. Then, we are taken to San Francisco, a Japan-ruled city in the West. Juliana is an Aikido expert and a happy American living under Japanese control. One day, after practice, she is approached by her friend named Doni, who has a crush on her. He asks her out on a coffee date, but Juliana reveals that she already has a boyfriend named Frank. Later that day, she meets her sister Trudy, who has been MIA for the past week. Trudy is happy about something and claims that her life is about to change for the better. Then, we see Juliana meet Frank, who is great at art. However, since since the Japanese are not a big fan of modern art, he has taken a job as a mechanic in a factory. As they chat, we find out that Frank is Jewish and is always living in fear of the Nazis. This is why Juliana doesn't want to have his children, because they will also be subjected to fear every day of their lives. After the date, Juliana is returning home when suddenly Trudy stops her. She frantically hands her a film and claims that it is the only way to freedom. With that being said, she runs away and is killed by the police a few minutes later. Juliana witnesses this and runs into her apartment before playing the content of the film, which is named The Grasshopper Lies Heavy. It shows a world where the Nazis were defeated and how world politics played out after that. Juliana is in shock as the video gives her a taste of freedom and makes her want to fight. Had she been shown an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians instead, she may have opted to leave things the way they are. 
After that, we find out that the film is a product distributed by someone named the Man in the High Castle. Not even the high-ranking officials know who he is or what he wants, but he seems to be an ally to the resistance group who has access to the things that normal people don't. The government has put a ban on these films, but they continue being distributed secretly. Frank arrives home and freaks out upon finding out that Juliana has a film. He wants to hand it over to the police first thing in the morning so they won't be in trouble. The next morning, Juliana finds a ticket to Cannon City with an address and a time. It is clear that her sister had to bring the film to that place, but now it is her responsibility. When Frank isn't around, she runs away with the film to the bus station. She also hides the film under another one to cover up the story, even if she is caught. In the following scene, we are taken to the German embassy in the Japan-ruled empire. A high-ranking Nazi commander, Hugo, meets the Japanese trade minister, Tagomi, who has come to inform them about the arrival of the Japanese prince and princess. Even the German embassy must be decorated according to their taste, which doesn't satisfy the Germans. Still, they agree to do it to avoid unwanted tension. Somewhere else, Don has been tied to the ceiling and tortured. The Obengruppenführer and his right-hand man, Eric, whose name is significant significantly easier to pronounce. Come to meet him, but Don remains unbothered by their presence and continues his silence. Meanwhile, Joe's truck stops on the way because of a flat tire. As a kind man helps him replace it, Joe notices ashes in the air. It turns out that somewhere nearby, the Germans are burning mentally and physically disabled people because they don't want to waste their resources on them. Guess you can't teach an old genocidal psychotic cult new tricks. After that, Joe continues the journey until he reaches a police check post. In a moment of heat, he brings out a film from under the truck and hides it somewhere else. The police do not find it and set him free. Like Juliana, Joe's job is also to supply the film to someone in Cannon City. Juliana meets a man named Randall, who is supposed to meet her sister. He is also a resistance member and thinks that Juliana is not suitable for the job. They get into an argument about who gets to take the film to Cannon City and decide that Juliana should should do it because the person receiving the film thinks he is meeting a woman. On her way to the city, Juliana's bag is stolen by another woman who runs away with all her money and the fake film. Juliana continues the journey without money, adamant about doing her sister's job first. At Frank's work, he and a co-worker named Ed are talking about politics. Soon, he and Randall, who Juliana was talking to earlier, are arrested for hiding the film from the police. Juliana reaches the hotel in Cannon City and waits for the person she is supposed to meet. While she is at it, she meets Joe, who pays for her meal because her wallet was stolen. They chat for a while and make friends with each other. Then, we see Joe making a call to the Obergruppenführer, revealing that he is a spy working for the Nazis and the one responsible for Don's arrest. Back in San Francisco, Frank and Randall are imprisoned and tortured. Officer Keto threatens to kill Frank's entire family if he doesn't reveal Juliana's location by tomorrow. Later, Frank and Randall are left alone, and the latter asks Frank not to tell anyone about Juliana because what she is doing is greater than Frank's family. Ultimately, Frank's sister Laura and her two children are brought to the police station and asked to wait in a room. Keto tells Frank that they are about to poison all three of them in half an hour and gives him time to think it over. Then, in canon, Juliana and Joe's friendship deepens, but Joe has started to suspect that she is a rebel. Juliana then starts working as a waitress in the diner. She meets a customer named Alan, who is reading a Bible. When Juliana shows interest in it, he gives her the name of a store where she can get the book. She goes to the store while being watched by Joe. 
At the same time, in New York, the Obergruppenführer and his assistant Eric are attacked by a group of rebels. Obergruppenführer manages to kill all of them and arrest a man named Doug to interrogate him. Elsewhere, Juliana meets Alan again and claims that she has something important to tell him. They decide to meet on a bridge at night. Before leaving for the meeting, Juliana gives Joe a letter and asks him to post it to her mother if she doesn't return. Joe calls the Obergruppenführer, asking him to find out about a man named Alan, who he suspects of being a rebel. Following the call, he reads the letter where Juliana has told her mother about the wonderful world that the film has shown her. Unable to control himself, Joe also watches the film that he possesses. On seeing an alternate reality, his heart is filled with the will to fight back. Soon, he is informed that Alan is not a rebel, but a Nazi spy like himself. Knowing that Juliana's life is in danger, Joe brings out his gun and goes to the bridge. Back in San Francisco, Randall is taken away to be executed. Keto asks Frank to reveal Juliana's location for the last time, but he keeps quiet. As a result, the poisonous gas is released in the room that Frank's sister Laura and her children are in. Frank is also taken to be executed alongside Randall. Minutes before his execution, Keto finds the woman who stole from Juliana on the bus. Upon discovering the fake film, they assume that Juliana and Frank are innocent. Frank is saved seconds before his death, but his family dies because of Keto's mistake. Then, on the bridge, Alan tries to kill Juliana, but is interrupted by Joe's arrival. Juliana pushes him off the bridge and kills him. Right after, she breaks down crying, while Joe holds her in his arms. They return to the hotel, where Joe helps Juliana relax. Despite the guilt of killing a person weighing her down, she manages to keep her cool. She inquires if Joe read the letter she left for her mother, and he replies with a yes. Juliana doesn't mind, because she trusts him, and thinks that he did it because he was worried for her. The two have to check out the hotel as soon as possible, because a dead Nazi agent means that more are going to come looking for them. They settle on checking out at different times to avoid being suspected. Back in San Francisco, Frank returns to his apartment and goes to sleep. What he has been through in the last 24 hours has weakened him to his core. Ed comes to meet his friend and is glad to see him alive, but Frank doesn't show any interest in his concerns. Frank also receives an official letter from the Japanese police about a funeral being held for Laura and her dead children. He then goes to the police station and identifies the dead bodies as his family. By the time he is done, Frank's sorrow has turned into rage. He wants to avenge the Japanese for killing his innocent family. He gets a perfect opportunity to do so when the Japanese crowned prince and princess arrive in San Francisco. Upon returning home, Frank gets a call from Juliana but ends it abruptly. He blames her for the deaths and doesn't want to associate with her until his anger calms down. Somewhere else, the Obergruppenführer gets a call from Joe and inquires if he has found more rebels in the diner, referring to Juliana. However, Joe lies, claiming that he doesn't suspect anyone, but he wants to wait for a week to confirm. The Obergruppenführer orders otherwise, because the rebels should have come by now, and their absence only means that they caught on to the Nazi plan. Joe agrees and goes to a gas station to prepare for the trip back home. Then, we are introduced to another Nazi soldier, Marshall. He is known for killing hundreds of rebels around the neutral zone and is an absolute Nazi propaganda follower. He suspects Joe and asks for his card, which causes the two of them to get into an argument. After confirming Joe's identity, the man shows Alan's picture to a bystander. He is the agent sent to investigate Alan's disappearance. Joe quickly meets Juliana at the diner and tells her about his eventful meeting with another Nazi spy. They do not have more time to beat around the bush and need to flee as soon as possible. At first, they search 
search the dam for Alan's body and dispose of it so Marshall won't find it. In the meantime, Marshall goes to the bookstore that Alan often used to visit. The owner, Carl, claims that he knows nothing until Marshall brings out a card with his true identity. It turns out that Carl is a rebel refugee from Ohio. To save his life, the man tells Marshall about a girl who came to buy the Bible under Alan's suggestion. Despite getting the information he wanted, Marshall doesn't spare Carl and ends his life. Not just that, but he makes a statement by hanging his dead body in front of everyone and ordering them to let it rot. After that, he continues his search and ends up outside the diner that Juliana works in. A stranger claims that he knows where Alan is, but asks for money in turn for the information. Marshall makes him spill everything he knows and leaves for the bridge, having found out that was the last place Alan was spotted. Back in San Francisco, the crowned prince and princess are taking a stroll down a park with many councilmen. After the event, the prince privately tells the princess about his concerns regarding the Nazis' growing technologies. They have surpassed Japan in many ways and have to be stopped before another world war breaks out after Hitler's death. In the next scene, we see Trade Minister Tagomi talking to a Nazi scientist named Wegner. They are here to make a very important deal that might have a huge impact on world history. Wegner knows the recipe for for an atom bomb, which Nazis possess, but Japan lacks. He is willing to share the recipe with the Japanese science minister so the country can be ready in case they are attacked. Tagomi asks Wegner to hand the recipe to the Japanese science minister on the day of the crown prince's speech because it is when everyone will be distracted. The crown prince and princess go to meet the Nazi ambassador to discuss the speech the prince is about to deliver to a crowd of San Francisco residents. The ambassador suggests they cancel the speech as it might not be entirely safe, but the monarch trusts Kido's team to ensure complete safety. No one would dare to lay a finger on him, after all, as he is the prince of the entire Japanese empire. Back in Cannon City, Joe and Juliana are disposing of Alan's car when they find a map inside. A marked place intrigues their interest, and they decide to travel to see what it is. At the same time, Marshall reaches the bridge and finds a drawing of Juliana that she had dropped when she was here with Alan last night. The mistake might cost her her life, but she is busy exploring the mapped place with Joe. It turns out to be a camp where the revolutionaries are locked and tortured. The horrifying sight of a chained dead woman shakes them both. Alongside the corpse is a list of revolutionaries who have been killed or are yet to be captured. Trudy's name is also there, but what shocks them the most is the name of the diner's owner, Lemuel. This means that the person Juliana has been working with until now is also a rebel. Marshall is in the diner with Lemuel, asking him if he has seen Juliana around the neighborhood. The owner reveals that she used to work for him, but lies about her disappearing a few days ago. Meanwhile, Frank is still not in the right state of mind. He continuously tries to gain more information about the Japanese prince by listening to the radio non-stop. Then, we see him making a gun for himself because he works in a factory that manufactures its parts. Ed inquires what he needs it for, but Frank doesn't reply. Later that day, Ed catches Frank practicing shooting in his apartment. He carefully inquires if Frank is planning to assassinate the crowned prince, but again does not get a reply. Ed tells Frank to think of every step he takes because he won't be forgiven by the police if he does something irrational. In the next scene, Joe and Juliana are on the drive back to the diner before Marshall stops them. Juliana makes a run for her life and hides inside an abandoned home, all while being followed by him. After a few minutes long search, they come face to face and Marshall is seconds away from blowing her head off with his shotgun. But right then, Joe comes to her aid and knocks the Nazi out before running away with Juliana. They hide inside a 
house nearby, tricking Marshall into assuming that they ran away. Only after he drives away in his car do they sigh with relief. To seek refuge, they go to Lemuel's home. He listens to their story before asking for the film she got from Trudy. However, Juliana insists that she will only hand over the film to the man in the high castle because she doesn't trust anyone else. Lemuel promises to bring them to the main man the following morning. Joe then surprises us by telling all the information to the Obengruppenführer Smith, but he doesn't tell him about the part where he helped Juliana. Morning comes, and Lemuel brings Joe and Juliana on a hike in the woods. However, halfway in, they are surrounded by a group of revolutionaries who recognize Joe as a spy. He proves his innocence by showing them the film that he wouldn't have brought if he was a spy. Moreover, Juliana also takes his side, since he has helped her against the Nazis time and again. Lemuel apologizes for the misinformation and asks them to go to a place on the other side of the hill to stay away from Marshall, who is desperately looking for them. Elsewhere, Wegner is preparing microfilm with information about how to manufacture an atom bomb. He is to hand this film to the Japanese science minister during the speech that is about to take place shortly. Hours before the speech, Frank buys a bunch of bullets under the name of a Japanese person living in Tibet. The owner of the shop helps him when offered an absurd amount of money. Ed finds the loaded gun and tries to stop Frank from doing anything stupid. In the ensuing struggle, Frank is shot in the shoulder, but he manages to lock Ed inside a room and make his way to the speech. Juliana is trying to steal a car for their escape, but Marshall catches her in the act. She drives away in a hurry, causing her to get into an accident that burns her alive. Marshall inspects her burning corpse before confirming that, yep, she's dead. What he doesn't know is that it was a plan set by Joe and Juliana to get him off their backs. When everything calms down, Juliana calls Frank, but Ed picks up the phone. He tells her everything Frank has been up to, prompting her to take the immediate next bus to San Francisco. Joe watches her go in shock and feels betrayed. Meanwhile, in San Francisco, the prince's speech finally starts. Wegner is in the crowd, about to hand over the microfilm to the science minister. Somewhere nearby is Frank, getting ready to take his revenge. As he pulls the gun out, slowly, someone else shoots the prince before him. The episode ends as he watches the injured prince in astonishment. To know what happens to them next, watch the second part in our new channel, Series Recapped. Well, you guys can watch that on Adolf your Hitler own. stands on the podium to You guys can watch that on your own. But the one thing that I keep saying and you know pedestrian people people that really don't understand me or know me. I he just wants credit. I give zero Fs about credit or else I wouldn't have befriended reporters. I wouldn't have been feeding scripts. I wouldn't have been giving them stories, right? The actual facts. If I wanted credit. The only reason I made myself public was to make sure that I'm alive. Only because I was unmasked. So the one thing all of you should be asking, why are they four years behind on everything that they're reporting? Why are all these influencers and media outlets so many years behind? Why are people now talking about amalgamated bank? Why are people now talking about the banking system? Why are people now re-examining Epstein? Why are people not analyzing China? Why are people doing this? Because if you actually watch The Man in the High Castle, the man with the cube, 
Oh, see, see, because I today the Federalist finally talking about amalgamated bank, finally talking about being the piggy bank of the Democrats. The question should be, why are they talking about it now? Because, you know, you know what you guys are, the people that actually have ears to hear and eyes to see, first of all, you understand how God wins. Second of all, you're all rebels. You just don't know it yet. But it's not the Patriot Army, the thirsty ones that are telling you, because this is how they profit. See, they think that they have enough command over things. So they slow walk it because they all want a title in tiara. What, when? In the buffer zone? When it's game over? When we split? When we kill each other? Or when the very nation that's supposed to support you has sold out every single bit of you? I think it's time that we kick off a new strategy. Rather than focus on just the bills, which we are in our local community, I will be mulling around how we can start targeting these ambassadors that are negotiating these things. Here's a little song just for you. I'll see you guys this weekend. I'm sure I'm going to be live somewhere. Raise some help before we go. Break the rules of broken nose. You know us. We're soldiers. Rips and holes and baggy clothes Drippy heart from head to toes We won't budge For no one Rebels Walking Don't know where we going But we mobbing yeah. So for my fellow rebels How do we fix this? <laughs> you hold them accountable Make them hear you Ask them why now Ask them why now because it obviously seems like somebody is driving the narrative and it's definitely not the Dropbox. This is a last script. There's no more after this. And they're winging it. You should ask yourselves, why now? Why did they start talking about how we fix Ukrainian elections now? When it was already out there. Oh, nobody listens to Tori. Shut the fuck up. Ask yourselves, why now? That's what you need to ask yourselves. Why now? Why now? Control of information is power. You're not allowed to have it. You're supposed to be their slaves. Oh, no, not chains and whips, but you need to be enriching them. And you know how, huh? You know, when I started doing this and putting out actual information, I was a baller on a budget. I did it all myself. And so what they thought is, we'll strangulate her and we will silence her, fuck her in her box. But God never lets you down. If you put him first, you will never be last. And now they dislike everything. But wait, wasn't I the one that said like five years ago, you guys aren't reporting this, but you're going to be getting sloppy seconds. Exactly what's happening now. Because it's about money. And now a lot of these people that are writing these things, randos, right? Well, think about it. Think about it. I'm going to leave it at that for now. But think about it. Because there is a rebellion going on. And that is that the people are now taking power. We are the news. We are the ones that understand. And we are going to fix this. Because the cities and the countries is inevitable. Nothing can actually stop what's coming, but it's up to you. Funny how, you know, huh, the rebel that was loose, causing chaos, bringing everyone to the high man in the castle. 
was from Ohio too. The more you know, the more you know. Pound them. Ask them why now. Show them the receipts, how you have been digging for years on the same thing, how you already knew. And this is how you hold them accountable. Humble them. Put it in. Humble them. Humble, humble, humble. Just like, I, you know, when I saw it on truth, I was like, stop. Someone was like, why are you talking about it now? She's been telling us for a while. Glad to see someone in the media picked it up. It's four years late. Very specific. Four years late. Not everything is what it seems. Yesterday seems like tomorrow. Tomorrow seems like last year. It's a hot mess. Huh? That's because there's no more scripts to play. And they're trying. And it's your job to keep them all accountable. Humble them. Tell them you already knew that. I'm, and you should tell them. You know, say I'm, let me pick one, American Starseed. I'm American Starseed. I am the elite. I knew this. You suck. You're old news. Bye. I knew this. I researched it. I did this. I want you guys, because all of you have been researching this. All of you have been doing it. Show them who's really boss, and that's you. That's you. Call them out. Hey, doesn't the Bible say that? Call a demon by its name in order to expel it. Call them out. This is how you go. HMS, get in there. Be like, hey, I, I know this topic. I was researching it and talking about it with my friends three years ago because we're all one. <laughs> we are one. I'm just the one standing in the gap. We are one. And this is in regards to information. Because the man that's really standing in the gap, carrying it all, is the one that people say, oh, he keeps often giving himself alkalines. He keeps doing this. Again. Don't fall for it. Ask yourself, why the tapes now? Hmm? Why this now? Hmm? Why is all of this coming out now? Hmm? The more you know. So for now, I think we should be picking apart these ambassadors. I think we should be demanding investigations. They're being paid by our tax dollars. It's time to hold them accountable. I'm mulling it. I'm, you think, you know, Bathsheba is one? Ah, I think we need to start with Cindy McCain because she just got done taking the lead on food. Remember how Mao was installed after we tricked the Chinese telling them we're going to help them from the commies? Manufactured famine, of course. You better be paying attention to your history because you have everything you need. Because the past proves the future. And if you look at the things that I've written, it's almost like a, I don't know, key to see what's happening. And it's all you. Bathsheba. Sheba. Right? She's just one person that... Uh, maybe saw her, not important, super important. As I've said, the deep state department is the one that sold you out. And keep in mind when you're using your damn chatbots, don't take what they say to face value. They haven't been updated. You can ask them. Uh, chat GPT hasn't been updated till, since September 2021. Um. Emerson AI on Telegram hasn't been updated since 2017. 
Remember, they've already cut it off. And everything you keep asking is just feeding their AI to train it to see what they need to stop having it do. God was in the heavens, and now they mock you with the data in the cloud, too. God was sitting on the clouds, all those pictures, right? And now they're emulating AI in the cloud. I want you guys to pay attention. On that note, let's leave with a really nice mashup. Put on a show. I feel the adrenaline moving through my veins. Spotlight on me and I'm ready to break. I'm like a performer, the dance floor is my stage. Better be ready, I'll bet you feel the same. So just dance, gonna be okay. Do, 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 just dance, spin that record, babe. Do, 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 just dance, gonna be okay. Da, da, just dance, dance, just, just dance.